It's Tuesday, May 29th, 2018. I'm Herbie Newell, and this is the Defender Podcast, a daily encouragement to mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This daily podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. Well, today we want to talk about a recent unadopted trip that we were able to take to Haiti, and uh, two people are joining us today, Meredith Campbell and Josh Caldwell, and Meredith oversees our Haiti adoption programs, our Haiti programs in general, and Josh is our international director, and I just wanted them to come and first talk a little bit about this trip, how it was impactful. I know that you are able to take a, a larger team, but just also want to talk about how it really connects to the larger goals that we have as a ministry to reach orphan and vulnerable children in Haiti. And so, Meredith, I just want to start off, talk a little bit about the heart behind this trip. I know this is something that's been a dream of yours for a long time, seeing this come to fruition, and then talk a little bit as well about the participants who were able to go and how how impactful this trip was for both them as well as the children you ministered to. I would love to. So like Herbie mentioned, this has been a trip that I've been praying about for probably several years now. We have wanted to be able to take a team and be able to do several different locations for caregiver training, some construction that we wanted to get to do for a home there. And God just hadn't brought the team together yet, and we were able to do that this spring. There were 11 of us that got to travel together, which was an awesome number. Several of those team participants had never been on a mission trip before. Some of them had never been overseas for anything like the work that we were going to get to do. So I was, from the beginning, so excited for for them just to get to experience Haiti and the beauty of Haiti and all the things that the Lord is doing in that special country, and just to get to see how the Lord opened their eyes to great need, but also just great joy in the hearts of people in Haiti. And I think that this is a trip— that really is, has been life-changing and they'll remember forever. Well, I know that one of the, the true realities that we see, and so we have an adoption program that you oversee, and, and we'll plug that here in a minute, but one of the realities we know that all of the children of Haiti will not be adopted through intercountry adoption, and because of the impoverished nature of the country, domestic adoption, while it, it can happen, is just not a reality in today's Haiti for these children to find forever families. And so one of the things that Unadopted wants to do is to wrap around local churches, wrap around believers, to really empower them to care for orphan and vulnerable children and to, to preach the gospel while equipping them. And a lot of the ways that we do that is through our life skill education training program. And part of our LSET life skill education training program is caregiver education and then developmental education and then life education. And it's really these three parts that are leading these children to a point where they can, one, have been cared for in a way, have developed in a way that they're able and ready to receive life skill education to to just better their future and to better their country. And so uh, one of the things that you really focused at, this being the first trip in Haiti, was this caregiving education and the caregiver education. And and Meredith, you got to oversee that piece with that Mm -hmm. team. Talk about how you were able to see the caregiver education impact the homes that you worked Mm -hmm. with and kind of what your vision is for the future of caregiver education throughout Haiti. Yes. I feel like I was so privileged with my team member. I was able to teach the caregiver training with Denise Morton, 
who is an adoptive mom. She is married to Rick, who is on our staff here. And her knowledge, her experience, she's also an educator. And getting to train with her to see she had so many stories, so many ways to connect with those nannies and those caregivers, getting to see her love on them, engage, and light bulbs just going off as she was talking. I feel like that was one of the favorite parts of my trip was to get to see that. And I think we just made a great team because I don't have that experience that she has in regards to being an adopted mom, but I, I get to experience life with these caregivers and in the things that we do with these children. So that was huge for me. And I think for the nannies at that specific home, also we had another caregiver training going on about an hour North up the mountain And that was a home that we were very, very excited to be able to do some of this training with because they've never had anything like that. None of those caregivers have been through a training like that. And during the training, we talk a lot about attachment and bonding. We talk a lot about trauma and grief. And all of these are things that are very relevant to these children in the home One unique thing about the training as well is that there were children in both homes that are going to be adopted, but there are also children in those homes that that will never be adopted by a forever family in this sense of the way that we think about that. And so getting to be able to do that training with those children in particular that are not going to be going home to a mom and dad just like you mentioned, Herbie, getting to give them skills and things that will impact them, the way that their caregivers are able to love on them and attach are going to be things that carry throughout their life. And so that was very, very encouraging to see happening. And then one of the homes that we were able to do this caregiver training at, uh, Josh, you and your family have a direct contact that you are reminded of this home every day when you look at Richardson, your little boy, and he came from this home. And this is a home that in a lot of ways had already done a good job preparing their caregivers, but a lot of it was staff or missionary driven. And one of the things that this caregiver training was able to do is to pass this on to really these nannies and caregivers, Mm -hmm. not to be just a staff directed thing, but so that they would know the heart of it and be able to to really uh, care for these children in a special way. So I know a lot of the caregiver training piece is to help these children that may never be adopted, but you're also the recipient of a child that had caregivers that poured in in a lot of similar ways already. So talk about just from an adopted dad's point of view, how essential this caregiver training is, and and then extrapolate that into why it's so important for those kids that may not be adopted. Yeah, there's some really important things there because I think a family, as a family that has brought a child into our home that was from a a home who had a high level of care, you see the things that were really important to them play out in our everyday life. And I think part of the training, we do overviews of things like trauma, um, children from trauma, attachment, um, tips on how to help in attachment. And also as adoptive families, we're learning the same thing. So as children, as, as caregivers are trained um, in attachment styles, they're trained in how to help a child attach. The families are also trained in that same type of thing. To see those things come together is really an amazing, amazing sight because children 
that go through children that are cared for after their caregivers have gone through this training have a higher level of attachment to that caregiver. The caregiver is more sensitive to the trauma they've experienced. They're more sensitive to how to have eye contact, how to have be really intentional about healthy touch and how to be really intentional about things that really translate to then a child being able to transfer that attachment to a mom and a dad. And I think it's really a lot harder to start attachment from scratch with a mom and a dad that's adopting than it is uh, to transfer that attachment from a caregiver. Now, in, in all of those instances, there's loss and it's difficult on the caregiver. It's difficult on the child. At the same time, it's a lot healthier for a child's brain development, emotional development, physical development, for them to have that attachment with a caregiver while in the home, then to be able to transfer that to a mom and a dad uh, through adoption. For the children that won't be adopted, we are helping to increase the brain development, emotional and spiritual and social development of those children early on so that they can grow up and then be able to be productive members of their society. We pray that they become believers and they become um, agents for change in their community for the sake of the gospel. But I think one of the biggest things is to see their brains develop at an early age. And what we've seen that institutionalization can be detrimental to a child as they grow up. And we're trying to reverse those effects by having intentional caregiver training at homes with children that will be adopted and children that will never be available for adoption. Mm. And so I know that folks that are listening probably like we do have a, have a heart for Haiti uh, have a burden for Haiti, and certainly both of you have a huge burden from Haiti, both from traveling there before through adoption, uh, just the Lord has really uniquely knit your heart for this country. And we hear a lot in the news about, about Haiti as well. And so I know that there are people undoubtedly that are hearing this and they're like, I'd love to go on a mission trip to Haiti. And more specifically, I'd love to go on a mission trip with Lifeline through Unadopted. So, Meredith, talk a little bit, because maybe somebody's listening, well, I haven't adopted, like, you know, Mrs. Morton. Uh, I'm, I'm not an educator, and I'm not a social worker, but I'd still love to get engaged. What are some other ways, or, or how can people get engaged to caregiver training, or what are other ways they can still be able to go with Lifeline and Unadopted? So, just because of the need in Haiti and also just because of how close we are with travel it's very easy to get there even if you're just there for a shorter amount of time we've found that that is great for families that can't be gone for you know eight to ten days and so through our Haiti unadopted trips we're going to be going our goal is to be going three times a year so we're going to be going twice this year and the spring and in the fall we have a trip coming up this fall and then next year we are set to be there spring, summer, and fall, which I'm just, I'm thrilled about. One thing to keep in mind with these trips is that there are many different ways that you can plug in. Like Herbie said, it's not just if you have a certain background or if you are equipped for a certain aspect of the trip. We are always in need of people that can help with construction needs, even if you're even if you're painting a room or helping fix a bunk bed. Things like that are very needed. Also, children need to be cared for while these nannies are going through their training. So anybody that loves kids and wants that opportunity to engage in that way, we also are looking at next year hoping to do some medical and dental trips as well. So anybody with that experience that could bring that to the table would be awesome. But there are, there are just numerous ways. And if you ever have questions about the trips, anything that's going on, 
with that, please get in touch with me because I'd love to just walk you through that, answer questions. And there's there's so many ways to be um, to be used in this way. And so part of the team actually wasn't participating in caregiving, but was participating in some construction projects. And, uh, Josh, you were able to lead that portion of the team. Talk a little bit about what you guys were able to accomplish and where you were able to work and, and how, how effective that was uh, as part of this trip. Yeah, I think in all of our uh, interactions with people as believers, we want to share and show and teach um, the Word of God with all the people that we come in contact with. And I think on these type of trips or these type of interactions, our, one of our main goals is to encourage with the gospel, um, even if you're painting a wall um, or cleaning a floor or something like that. The, the Really, the main goal is to encourage um, the gospel um, in, in life transformation. And so we, we want to come alongside people that are actively working in um, caring for orphaned and vulnerable children. We want to encourage them and love on them. Uh, a lot of a lot of people, Irby, I think one of the things that, that is difficult to think about is we get caught up in our daily lives as believers here in America. And we think oftentimes, as I do, um, that we have hard things going on. And then I start to really think about the people I've come in contact with overseas that are caring daily for the needs of children that if that care was not there, those children would not make it. And just the pressure that is on that group of people, like an orphanage director, like a caregiver, I think our main objective really being on this trip was to encourage, even if that encouragement came through helping to meet some physical needs of the property or meet some physical needs of the children through that. It really was to encourage the workers there so that they could continue on the work. And without them, a lot of these children would be either at other homes or on the street or not able to get the care that they need. And so by going and taking a few people to paint a wall or two, to patch some holes, to um, to clean up and do some things that would help long term the um, help the sustainability of the home, I think it's really important. And we've we've got other opportunities to do that in the future where we're able to encourage in that same kind of way. And as we're working with central governments um, like in Haiti, we we ask for permission to come in and do some of these kind of things. And I think they're. Um, they're excited to see us partner in ways that are allowing um, some some homes to have that encouragement that we, we want to give. Yeah, and I know as part of the trip that you led, uh, you were able to also engage with a lot of our orphanage partners and the orphanage homes and the, the homes that we work with in Haiti. And one of the places that you were able to visit was Chances for Children. And I know that their their uh, their director shared with you a lot of the struggles that they're having that are real struggles at homes in Haiti. Uh, briefly share with us just some of the the struggles there, uh, how people can be praying, and potentially even how um, how we could get engaged in in, an, in in another way. That's great. I think prayer is is definitely a huge thing. A lot of people ask, you know, after coming off a trip like this, what do we do? And I. I don't want prayer to be an empty gesture. Like we, we really do need to be praying. We need to be praying for these orphanage directors and homes, caregivers. We need to be praying for the children that are in these homes. 
We need to be praying for central authorities and directors and embassy workers and all that are a part of the process of care, ultimately caring for children. We know that their international adoption is a piece of that puzzle, but we also know that that's not the only piece. We have to look at other pieces of the puzzle like caregiver training, foster care, domestic families and other things. And I think as believers, we need to be praying to that end. How can we as believers get involved with the mission of God to care for vulnerable children? And I think we can do that through um, through praying is number one. And I think we can do that through getting involved through intercountry adoption. We can do that through supporting um, indigenous works of things like foster care and domestic adoption and just praying for those avenues to continue to open um, and to continue to see more. Um, as we've worked in different homes in Haiti, uh, my heart is in Haiti because of my son uh, coming from Haiti. And I think one of the things that I've learned the most is just to not to, to keep keep Haiti and the people that I've met are dear um, to the children and they're dear to us. And I think to keep them on the front forefront of our mind in prayer is one of the biggest ways we can help right there where you are. So if you're listening today to this podcast, wherever you are, you can stop and you can be a part of the work in Haiti through the intervention of the Holy Spirit through prayer. And so I just would encourage you to be a part of that today. Mm-hmm. And as we've talked about the opportunity to go, there's there's prayerfully going to be more opportunities in the fall with new sites for caregiver training. So uh, Meredith, just touch on that briefly about plans for the fall and plans ongoing to take more caregiver trips and more trips to go alongside of indigenous believers who are caring for orphan and vulnerable children. Yeah, one of the things we were able to do while we were there this this April was to meet with other homes that we've had relationship with we love the leadership in these homes and we were able to talk through just opportunities for caregiver training there and was that a need and so we have added two new trainings to the list for the fall trip so we'll be going back and training at the two homes that we were at in April but also adding two new homes and so we will need more trainers for that trip but we will also need more help so we're doubling what we did this spring in the fall which is really really exciting so just be praying for that be praying for those new homes that we'll be doing the training at and for the people leading that time and just knowing that our team's going to be even a little bit bigger probably this go around so really, really excited for that new opportunity. Okay, and so briefly, in the time we have left, which is not a lot, let's let's pivot for a second because we did talk about that while we hope and we pray for indigenous adoption and indigenous options, that there are still so many children that need to be adopted. And intercountry adoption is, is the best bet for many of these children. So uh, briefly talk, how would somebody get more information about Haiti Uh, And what does that process look like in a snapshot? Mm -hmm. The best way to get information about our Haiti Adoption Program is to reach out to me, to email me, give me a call, or fill out a pre-application that you can find on our website. That is a great way to get us easy information to get in touch with you. It takes five minutes to fill it out. It's no commitment to the process, nothing like that, but just a great way for us to connect. For Haiti adoption right now, the the most challenging thing I would see just in regards to the process is just the time frame. Haiti adoption is taking about three to four years right now. One thing that's been so encouraging, even in that wait time, though, is to see that everything is still moving. There's never been a point 
and Haiti adoption, even as they transitioned into the Hague Convention, that they have stopped doing adoption, which I think is very, very awesome. One thing that does seem to slow it down, though, is just in regards to waiting for a referral and, and that part of the process. So it's just good to know that the process is longer. It is taking about three to four years. There are children in need of a forever family that have special needs, um, that have sibling sets, that are older children. And there are children to be adopted in Haiti that do not have medical special needs that would be considered healthy in that regard. So those are just some important things to note. I'd love to talk through the steps and what that looks like, travel time, all of that, I think is really, really important to, to know about. But we are in need of families. Although Haiti is not growing in the sense of how other programs are growing just because of the time frame and things like that, there is still a need there. And we are always encouraged when families really sense that call and are obedient to that. And we have new families getting into the program every month. And so just want to encourage you to get in touch with Meredith and her email address is meredith.campbell at lifelinechild.org. And then there's no uh, there's there's no commitment to fill out the pre-app, but that's just a way to let us know that you're interested and to start getting some information. And you can always go to lifelinechild.org to fill out that pre-app today and get more information. There's also uh, always on the, the third Thursday, an international roadmap to adoption. And you can join that webinar. And so we will have that the third Thursday here in, in the upcoming month of June would be the next one to get engaged with. So you can always get in touch with those international roadmaps and those webinars. And so we just we just really want you to get engaged with Haiti if God is so leading you to that country, either through unadopted and orphan care or through adoption. And so as we end and as we close, Josh, I'm just going to ask you to, to pray. Uh, we've asked folks to pray. We've given them ways to go. We've given them ways to adopt. Certainly, there are always ways to give, but, but really, everyone can pray. And so will you pray for us as we end this podcast for Haiti, for the children, and for the future endeavors? Definitely. God, we love you, and thank you so much for this opportunity to come before you and and on behalf of the children caregivers families orphanage directors and all the personnel at central authority and the embassy um just to pray lord to come come to you um lord i pray you you've probably promised that you're the father to the fatherless you've promised that you promised that you're the protector of widows and lord we are thankful that you are already doing that lord pray that you would continue to engage people in your mission of caring for orphan and vulnerable children in haiti lord i pray for all the caregivers that are there, um, that they would feel a sense of your presence today, um, that orphanage directors and the central authority personnel, that they would um, be able to seek your face and all that they need, Lord, um, and for our U.S. Embassy workers that are working in this as well, Lord, and just pray that um, we could come together as the body of Christ to see your gospel go forth, to see many, many children cared for. Um, Lord, and I pray that today, um, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that you um, can change a life, Lord. And I pray um, that we would see many lives changed um, through the process of just intervening with orphaned and vulnerable children right where they are um, and all through um, the families that they're going to be a part of. Lord, I pray that more families would come and the process um, would continue to run smoothly. Um, but Lord, I pray even for a little more streamlined 
um, approach and process in Haiti uh, to see more children, less uh, time in institutions. We love you, Lord, and we need you. We thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. For more information or to connect with me, please visit HerbieNewell.com. To partner with Lifeline, visit LifelineChild.org. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at LifelineChild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel to you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again tomorrow for the Defender Podcast.